Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 39, Thursday, March 28th, 2019, one of the best sports days of the entire year, opening day in Major League Baseball. And I'm coming to you live from Southwest Florida, where I currently am with Miss Doggy Juice. It's been a pretty crazy week for me, but I wanted to make sure I got a quick pod out for all of you, especially before the Sweet 16 games begin tonight. So in this episode, I'm just going to break down each matchup of the Sweet 16, and then I'll offer a quick early 2019 season preview in Major League Baseball. But first, some housekeeping items. We're coming off the best four sports days of the entire calendar year, in my opinion. And we had a very profitable start to the NCAA tournament. I've been posting the Doggy Juice against the spread leans for every single Big Dance game on the Doggy Juice Twitter. And we've been doing very well with that, going 30-21-1 against the spread in the opening rounds, hitting at a cool 58.8% clip. So stay tuned for today's leans. I'm going to post those up on Twitter right after I get this podcast up. Kind of rushing to do this right now. Um, But you'll have a good idea of where I'm at in these games after listening to this pod. So let's get started first, though, with a quick legal update on the state of sports betting legalization in Illinois. So the road to sports betting legalization in the state of Illinois appears to be reaching a critical point in the months following incoming Governor J.B. Pritzker's inclusion of over $200 million from sports wagering revenue in his 2020 state budget plan. Illinois Representative Mike Zalewski has been tasked as chairman of the House Finance and Revenue Committee to lead efforts towards reaching the end goal of working out a state sports betting bill, but there are clearly many interests at play. According to an article on Legal Sports Report by Eric Ramsey, a hearing that was scheduled for this week was pushed back, leaving the current proposed bill, House Bill 3308, very much in flux, quote-unquote. Um So House Bill 3308 only contains right now, the way it's written, a short title provision that would create the Sports Wagering Act. Last Thursday, Representative Zalewski filed four amendments to that bill that provide lawmakers in Illinois with essentially um, four different options. So it presents them with four distinct paths that the state can take towards legalized sports betting. So this is a very critical juncture because um, we're going to see which avenue the state is going to take if they do take one. Uh, But three of those four avenues gravitate towards Governor Pritzker's budget proposal from February that calls for that $200 million plus. It was actually exactly, it was $217 million exactly uh, for fiscal year 2020 that is largely funded by granting 20 interactive sports betting licenses that cost $10 million each. Um, So that's present in three of these four um, amendments or options that uh, Zalewski filed, Representative Zalewski. Um, So Pritzker, he also called in his February address for a 20% tax on on gross sports betting revenue, and that's a model that's comparable to Pennsylvania's current structure, so it's very burdensome. It's a very high tax rate. Uh, The fourth option that Representative Zalewski filed as an amendment would involve oversight by the Illinois Department of the Lottery, so that's very unique. That would follow the structure of what, uh, what D.C. is going with. They're having the lottery handle it. And let's break down all these options really quickly, all four of them, a little bit more. I'm just going to dive into a little bit of detail here. I'm going to be quick about it. The first option, amendment, amendment number one, would follow the New Jersey state sports betting model and grant operator licenses to riverboats and organizational licensees under the Horse Racing Act of 1975. And like New Jersey, these licenses would enable both retail and mobile sports wagering. And then it would also enable two skin licenses that would cost $1 million 
initially and a $500,000 renewal fee every five years. And those skim licenses basically allow brick-and-mortar casinos to um, use mobile operators. So they would basically be able to contract with two um, mobile ways to to offer sports betting mobily through two different um, mobile operators. So um, that's unique. That follows more of the New Jersey model. And -and brick-and-mortar wagers would be taxed at 15% under this suggestion, under this amendment. And online wagers would be taxed at 20% under this first option. Um, Representative Saluski's second option, Amendment 2, closely follows the Mississippi sports betting model. It would enable sports betting to be licensed um, at off-track betting facilities, racetracks, and casinos, um, including 10 online operators that must be located on the premise on the premises of the brick-and-mortar operations. So that's distinct. That's what's going on in Mississippi right now. You can only make the bets on location at the brick-and-mortar um, casinos, wherever you're going to bet, on location, and you can only bet mobily within their um, their property. So it's geolocated very specifically where you can't bet outside the property. Um, so in this one, it would involve a 15% tax rate on the brick-and-mortar locations, and um, it would be there would also open up the door for an integrity fee, which as I've gone on record saying, and a lot of people in the, in the sports betting industry have gone on record that they are not in support of at all, but this would provide for a potential uh, 0.2%, and that's a big number still, um, integrity fee um, if the Illinois Gaming Board adopts the fee. The third option, and this one's Amendment 4, uh, filed by Representative Zaluski would closely mirror the proposals that major sports leagues have been pushing for in their lobbying efforts. Most notably, option three would implement those integrity fees I was just talking about, and there'll be a huge win for the leagues. This option would allow mobile wagering, um, unlike the second option, but much like the first one, and it would feature a 12.5% tax rate and, that, and a 0.25% royalty fee to the leagues. So that's option three. The final of the four options or roads that Illinois is going to probably go down if we can actually get somewhere as a state and make the decision and go full steam ahead finally. Um, Option four is called Amendment 5, and it calls for oversight by the Illinois Department of the Lottery. The Lottery Department would exercise full control over the types of wagers that could be offered by lottery retailers, and this fourth option would feature a staggering 50% tax, 5-0, on sports wagering revenue. So as usual here in my home state, or I'm in Florida now, but in Illinois, uh, there are many competing interests and thus many different forces pulling at the rope from different directions. Representative Zalewski presented four options that clearly vary very widely um, in their impact and and when they're implemented. So um, right now the state of Illinois is at a crossroads and it's a major state, obviously. It's going to have a lot of potential customers. So this is a really big decision. There's four paths basically that the state can go down right now. And it'll be interesting to see which path the state does go down. This is that critical juncture, that critical point right now. There's going to be hearings this month. Well, there's supposed to be one today, but that that one was canceled. But um, hearings coming up in the next couple of months. And I I expect to see something. There's some sort of um, resolution. I still think it's definitely the favorite for Illinois to be offering. You'll be able to make a legal sports wager in the state of Illinois before football season this year. I would definitely, you know, if you're giving me one side, yes or no, I definitely take the yes. Um, I'm going to predict that something gets done by like May or June, but 
That's also wishful thinking. We know how things are in the state of Illinois, and I, of course, will keep you updated as we continue to move forward with it. This is a quick pod, though, so let's quickly jump into it. Let's let's talk about making some money instead now. Um, let's preview the Sweet 16 matchups. Watching him shoot from the outside is unbelievable. All right, baby. This is the first time since 2009 we're all top three seeds in each region made it to the Sweet 16, and this year's rendition of the Sweet 16 is almost all chalk. We have those top three seeds in each region, as I already mentioned. Um, it's one, two, three, and four. One, two, three, and four. We have one, two, three, and five um, because Auburn beat Kansas last weekend. And then we have one, two, three, 12. Oregon being the outlier as the 12 seed who face off against Virginia this evening. Um, we have some fire matchups tonight and tomorrow, so let's quickly just break all of them down and I'll let you know where I stand on each one. Starting with tonight, the first game, Gonzaga against Florida State. Uh, the Zags are laying about seven and a half, eight points, depending where you find it. The big story in this one is a revenge spot from last season. Um, last year, these two teams met in this very same game in the Sweet 16, and uh, only Gonzaga was missing Killian Tilly, one of their stars, who was a scratch right before tip-off. It kind of came out of nowhere. So FSU ended up just out-athleting the Zags, I guess best way to say it. Uh, in that game, and they won 75-60 to 60 last year. But this is a different Zags team this year. Um, we've seen them obviously just dominate their shitty conference all year, but this team is so good. And power ratings-wise, they're, they're right at the top, right there with Duke and Virginia. They have been all season. And I feel like they're out for blood. They have the depth to really just take advantage of this matchup and also a really big coaching mismatch. I think Gonzaga is actually worth a look, potentially, if you can find a seven right before tip-off. That's the number I would probably need to get involved, but I, and I'm kind of, it's killing me right now because it did reach six and a half at one point, and I kind of wish I took a little bit of a position there earlier in the week when I saw it at six and a half, but now it's up to seven and a half, eight. Pretty much no man's land for me, but if I'm going to lean one way, I'm going to say Gonzaga in that one. Next game, Tennessee against Purdue. Tennessee opened as a one point favorite, it was close to pick them. I even saw it tick close to a pick them a couple days ago, but now money on Tennessee. Today, the line has moved up to two. I've even seen some places move to two and a half. Um, I agree with that line move. I did get down on Tennessee minus one for my full position earlier this week because I was kind of figuring that there was line value on Tennessee. There was an obvious overreaction, I think, to Tennessee having a tough time in their first game and then blowing that long, that, uh, the big lead against Iowa on Saturday morning and going into overtime. Had to sweat that one out. Also, that Admiral Schofield situation was really weird. Not playing with four fouls, but not going to get into that. What I think Tennessee is, I think Tennessee does provide line value here. At minus one, I have the game closer to three. Actually, just about three for myself. So it's getting closer. It's hard to find line value at this point, but I really like Tennessee in the spot. I think that they're just a better team. If they played this game all season long, Tennessee would have been favored by you know more than one or two points. So. I think we're getting a little bit of value there. I have Tennessee in pockets. The line's moving up. I would definitely recommend um, trying to find a good money line instead of laying two or two and a half points. But at least make sure you get two. I would actually buy the half point if you have two to minus 120. If you're really looking to get involved at two and a half, sometimes it's better setting it out if you're late to the party. But uh, Tennessee's the play on this one for sure. I think they win the game outright. I would definitely go money line on them. Uh, the next game, Michigan laying one and a half to two points against Texas Tech. And this game is going to be unbelievable. This is the game I'm most looking forward to in the Sweet 16. Two excellent defenses, uh, top two in defensive efficiency. Um, I actually have futures on both these teams, too. I'm kind of pissed that they're playing each other. i got Michigan 33-1 to 1 
and I got a Texas Tech 45 to one to win it all. That's what Tennessee, who I just mentioned, at 35 to one. We have a nice portfolio there uh, for the doggy juice futures. But um, Texas Tech is they were the value team in the spot at two. That's where I got down at open two. I put them into pocket at plus two. I even found a money line. Actually, I found a money line earlier today uh, for plus 125. I think that's great. I got the line at about a pick 'em. Um, even a slight favorite to Texas Tech, but it's less than a point. It's basically a pick 'em game for me. So if you're getting two points on either side, especially in a lower scoring game, uh, I think the total is at 125 right now. Unfortunately, that's close to around close to where I have it. I'd probably attack the first half under if you're looking to go under in that one, to, or at least for more of your bet. But uh, value on Texas Tech at plus two. That's where I got involved. I got that plus money money line. But I'm just really looking forward to this game. It's going to be you know flip a coin on who wins. It's really just going to be a well played game. Maybe look to get involved in running. But two great coaches, probably in my opinion, the two best coaches in this tournament remaining right now in terms of X's and O's, Chris Beard and obviously um, uh, Beeline for Michigan, who I've been saying on this podcast the whole time. He's my favorite X's and O's coach in the, in the entire league. Um, and it's really an amazing story what Chris Beard's done with Texas Tech because they lost a lot of guys last year and they had that Elite Eight run. But he's able to turn things around quickly with them. And their defense is just it's, – it's a beautiful thing to watch. You'll see it tonight. They're just – they don't make mistakes. And then I got uh, you know, some players in that team that I'm just a big fan of. So I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great watch tonight. But my prediction is Texas Tech uh, wins that game. And I think that you can find value on them at plus two for sure. The next game, the last game tonight on Thursday, Virginia laying eight or nine points against Oregon. That line's fluctuated a little bit between those numbers. Um, but the power ratings, at least my power ratings, say there's value on Virginia. This line just a couple weeks ago, we'd been looking at a 14-point line if these two teams were playing at a neutral just a few weeks ago. So uh, obviously Oregon's the hottest team in college basketball right now. They keep winning against the spread every game. They've been on a hot run. And I went, I've went. i gone into reasons why in last week's podcast. you know, I did call out on the podcast the tournament preview that they had a strong chance to make the Sweet 16. Picked that in like all my brackets. But um, Oregon's a hot team. They have all the pieces you want for a deep run. And defensively, they're so well organized now with their switching zones defense. They have an excellent point guard. You, you, that's what you want. You want like There's certain formulas that just work in March. Excellent point guard play. You want to be able to make free throws. You want to play great defense and rebound. But um, they have all those factors. The problem is they're going up against Virginia. And now that they got, you know, now that there's no pressure from that first game where they you know, were down against Gardner-Webb at halftime, they got over that hump. And obviously, really easy second game for them. So I think Virginia, they've been so great all season long. And now that the line's down to eight or nine, it's tough to lay the points there. That's the way I would lean. Um, it, is, it could totally be a close game. This has the, the potential to be you know two, three possession game towards the end. So I don't like laying points like that, especially in a low total game. You know, it's just gross, something I always try to avoid. But if I'm forced to play this one, which I'm not, I'm going to look to play in running. Um, but if I'm forced to play it, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna lay the points with Virginia. All right, so let's move on to the Friday games. I'll try and speed this up. Uh, Duke is down to minus seven against Virginia Tech. Um, this is an interesting one. I actually power ratings wise, I was hoping I could actually bet on Virginia Tech here. I wanted to take a look at them, but the line value is just not there. If anything, there's actually line value at Duke at minus seven. So that's the way I would actually want to look. Um, if you just think about it, Duke were. Or they were a three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road when they lost to Virginia Tech towards the end of the season, but that game was without Zion. So if you say they're three-and-a-half-point favorites and then you add three points for home court, you're saying that Duke's six-and-a-half, seven-point favorites right there if it was a neutral game at that point, but that was without Zion. 
Now you add Zion to the mix. And you could argue that Virginia Tech didn't have Justin Robinson, their star player in that game. But when you're comparing Zion and Justin Robinson in terms of um, value to a betting line, it's pretty clear who wins that one. So um, I think, if anything, there's value on Duke there. Obviously, Virginia Tech won that game with their three-and-a-half-point um, underdogs. I had money on them in that game. But um, there's clearly no line value on Virginia in this spot. Duke is a terrible three-point shooting team. That's It's weird when Duke has... Um, when three-point shooting is Duke's weakness. It's not what we're used to. And Virginia Tech is a team that especially defends uh, the perimeter really well. They obviously already beat Duke at home earlier this year. So it's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be tough, but I just it's not at a number where I could take Virginia Tech and feel comfortable at all. I was hoping you know it could be 9 or 10, and I could start looking that way, but 7 is where it starts to get you know close to Duke, and that's a spot where actually, I, mean, I think Duke could just come out and run them out of the gym because – these, you know, the Duke athletes versus the Virginia Tech athletes. There's a huge difference between the two, and uh, so I'm actually leaning Duke at minus seven in that spot. Michigan State versus LSU. Michigan State's laying six points. Um, tough spot. Laying six points here, I think, is just a bit too much. I have it, you know, closer to five. Um, so I do lean LSU, but there's just too much of a coaching mismatch here to ignore. Obviously, the whole LSU uh, interim coach situation. You saw them blow that lead, that massive lead against Maryland. Uh, there you go. That's a big reason why we aren't making the proper adjustments. Just the coaching mismatch is too much to ignore. If you're going to go LSU, I would definitely look towards taking at least a piece of the first half. So you kind of negate some of that coaching mismatch, all the halftime adjustments. But uh, lean LSU at that number, but not enough value for there to get involved. Um, UNC laying five points against Auburn. This is going to be a very interesting one. Obviously, everybody knows the high-scoring nature of both these teams. The thing is, though, Auburn, if they want this to be a track meet, this is going to play right into UNC's hands, and it's going to be a tough game for Auburn if they do that. UNC just does what Auburn does, but just with better players. They're just a better team. So at that price, I'm actually laying five points. I'd lean UNC here, especially in a higher-variance game where it's supposed to be higher-scoring. And look for the public to really be going all in on the over here, which is usually a spot where I like to be on the under. Might find some good line value on the under right before tip-off. That's the way I'm looking tomorrow night of playing that one. If it ticks up to like 165, that's where I just got to start looking under um, in that range. Uh, So that'll be an interesting situation there as well. Obviously, these two teams can put up points, but you just need a little like spell of two or three minutes in a high-paced game like that and could still go under. Um, So that's the way I'm looking, but I do lean UNC in that spot. And the final game, this is another fantastic game. Tomorrow night, the late game, Kentucky, or the one of the two late games, Kentucky laying three points against Houston. Just such a good game. And, and both these teams, I think, you know, potential Final Four teams. Any of these teams that are really playing are potential Final Four teams. This is a great tournament right now because we're getting just a situation where we're getting all these great matchups, all the teams that deserve to be there. Um, and it's just a spot we're going to get some good action. We're going to have some good drama. But this is going to be probably one of the best ones, in my opinion. Houston, I think, could be a little bit of value at three. It's not a number where I really want to jump in, but they're so great at finding open three-pointers and taking away open threes on defense. Obviously, Kentucky got a lot of younger players, but they've, they're more talented. Um, Coaching-wise, it's pretty close. And another macro point, coaching is so important at this point in the tournament. That's why I'm, just, I'm not going to lay or uh, take the points with LSU against Michigan State at six. If it gets up to sevens, we're all considered it, but... The coaching mismatch can really come into play in these later rounds especially. And in Kentucky and Houston, I don't see much of one. Obviously, Cal Parry is an excellent coach, and Sampson, what he's done with Houston 
is incredible. Um, I'm just going to, it's one of those games where I just want to sit back and watch, really. But if I'm going to play a side here, I'll take the three points with Houston. I think it's close enough. Um, but, you know, I have that lined, you know, close to two, two and a half. You know, it's just barely value at all. So that's the way I'd look. But tight lines at this point, you know, I've been saying it as the tournament stretches on. It's just harder to find value, especially if you're trying to bet these lines right before tip-off. You know, if you're going to do it right before tip-off, it would be trying to look more in the, the underdogs and unders, obviously. And if you're trying to bet the favorites and overs, I would try and get at those earlier, just as a general principle in most sports. But that's a huge generalization. It's not a black and white rule. But I hope everyone enjoys the games. Um, it's going to be, like I've said, fire matchups across the board tonight and tomorrow night. So enjoy those. Look to get involved in running. If anything, don't feel forced to play the games against the spread pre-flop. But let's move on now quickly to a quick preview of the 2019 Major League Baseball season. So baseball season officially already started in Japan last week, but... It begins in earnest today. It actually already has with a full slate of games. So quickly for baseball, I think I've said this in earlier podcasts, I don't originate numbers in baseball at all, but I do like to get involved in baseball. It definitely fascinates me, especially all the numbers involved. Uh, but my, my plan of attack usually throughout the course of the season is just I try and scalp prices and look for market discrepancies um, and play it out that way. But I do have sources where I try and find good information. I got the baseball prospectus every year. And definitely all over that fan graphs and got the Pocota projections and Pythagorean wins and everything. So I'd like to say I'm, I'm tuned in, but I don't originate numbers at all. And I'm, I'm trying to uh, dive more deeply into baseball, but it's like far from my, my best sport. But uh, I do play it. You know, I do bet on baseball and I'm looking forward to this season because it just provides everyday action, as we know, throughout the course of the summer. It's just it's pretty great. You always got action going on in the MLB. Um, but... In terms of the state of Major League Baseball right now, the chasm between the rich and the poor has never been greater. Um, And I I predict, and the betting market agrees, that this is going to be a very chalky year. You can kind of see all the favorites for each each division. I mean, it's crazy because you actually hear, like, pundits, guys with trusted opinions, want to look at the over with some teams that are in, like, the mid-90s, you know, like the Dodgers and the Astros, low mid-90s or whatever. And then they want to take the unders with the Orioles at 59 wins. That just kind of illustrates it right there. Um, I actually do have Orioles under 59 wins in pocket at uh, lower juice, so I think that's close, like 58 and a half. Um, when you look at some of the lineups that they're trotting out, it's hard to imagine them winning that many games. And when you look at the Orioles' schedule, especially the first, like, 55 games, it's really hard to imagine them getting off to any type of start, start that isn't just embarrassing. And, I mean, when you're tr- trotting out lineups to, like, literally, when your design is to try to lose games, um, what just squeak there? <laughs> um, when your design is to lose games, then it's hard to back a team like that. And if anything, I'm going to look to play their under. And when you look at their schedule and the division they're in, it's easy to see a lot of L's. So I, I went on that under on the Orioles. Um, you could find some value, I feel like, especially early on this year, uh, betting on NL Central, NL East teams. I feel like um, the Mets could have value, actually, based off market perception. And the Cardinals, I've been seeing their praise a bit. I think that they could be a good value team to play on early on this year. They've reshuffled that that lineup. And they're, they also have, like, they've had the best farm system in baseball the past couple of years, so a lot of young talent there as well. Um, 
really quickly, I'm going to go over my predictions for the season. The AL East, I'll say the Yankees come out of the AL East, AL Central, Cleveland Indians, the AL West, Houston Astros, and the wildcard teams in the AL. I'll go with the Red Sox and the Rays, so big-time AL East um, contingent there in the playoffs. The NL East, give me the Nationals, NL Central, the Cardinals, who I just said, sorry, my fellow Cubs fans. The NL West, the Dodgers, they're like minus 400 to win that division. It's not going out on a limb. And then for the wild card, it's kind of out in the open, but I will go with the Cubs and the Phillies as my predicted wild card teams. Um, For the AL, the ALCS, I'll say the Astros over the Yankees. In the NLCS, I will say Dodgers over Nationals. World Series, Dodgers over Astros. Dodgers finally get it done this year. First World Series since the 1980s. NL MVP, give me Juan Soto of the Nationals. AL MVP, Alex Bregman of the Astros. NL Cy Young, the Chalk. I'll go with Max Scherzer. He's also the big-time favorite. And AL Cy Young, I will go with Blake Snell of the Rays. Corey Kluber's your favorite. Um, we're going to dive more deeply into baseball in the coming weeks. Um, especially This is just the craziest sports time of the year. we got the tournament, baseball starting up, got the Masters on the horizon, and obviously playoff pictures are heating up in the, M- in the NBA and NHL. So... Very busy time, so I'm really going to dive deeper into baseball in upcoming weeks. Look for another appearance from our resident baseball handicapper, Dobzilla. I'm sure he'll have some, some thoughts to share as well. But that'll do it. I'm going to look to get off of here now and get this shit posted right away. Let's, uh, let's wrap this shit up. All right, guys, I know this is a quick one, but that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice for best bets and the official Doggy Juice ATS leans for the big dance. Let's keep crushing it. I hope you all enjoy the games this weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Doggy Juice out.